Hello, and welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hey guys, buddy C. I'd like to welcome Marla H. and Kate E. Happy to have you ladies today. Everyone doing well? Any birthdays that any of y'all might have or... Birthday. What, Kate? You have a birthday? Is that right? I just got three years. Wow. Congratulations. Handed. Congratulations. Yes. Is life better or worse in these three years? Life has improved dramatically over these three years. It was pretty horrible in the past. I was having a pretty terrible life, and now my life is very good, so... It's amazing the changes just from not drinking and other things. I had a friend in AA, he went and talked to his priest. He says, Father, he says, my life is getting so much better that I quit drinking. He said, well, my son, when you quit doing what you shouldn't be doing, things get better. (laughs) He said, well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That, That really is how it is, you know. And then just to add the element of ease that we get from starting to live this this life of surrender uh, just makes it even better than that, you know, just makes it even better, which is what we're talking about today. Craig, good to have you, sir. Glad you can make it. Or Craig's Paul. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of in and out. I'm, I'm, I'm backwards and forwards between jobs today, so... Don't don't stress it, Craig. It's okay. Why can't I control things? No, you can't. That's the why can, why can I why can I not control things? That's the point was, of today's uh, readings. It was so much easier when I could. <laughs> you just thought it was easier, Craig. No. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm just going with it. As it is what it is. Oh God. <laughs> You been going to those meetings again? Don't tell Cindy. It is what it is. It is what it is. Okay, let's get going. You want to read for us there, Miss Kate? I do. First translation. Returning is the motion of the Tao. Yielding is the way of the Tao. The 10,000 things are born of being. Being is born of not being. Second translation, return is the movement of the Tao, yielding is the way of the Tao. All things are born of being, being is born of non-being. Third translation, all movement returns to the Tao, weakness is, is how the Tao works. All of creation is born of sub, from substance, substance is born of nothingness. The final translation, Tao is always heading back to where it came from. Tao advances by not pressing forward. Things exist because they are. They are because they once were not. (laughs) Craig's got, Craig, I know you've got the explanation of this one. You want to go ahead and just lay it on us and we can make the podcast short today? He can't even see it off mute. How can he know what this means? 
Okay, so the answer to this one is, it is what it is. <laughs> That's it. That's all. That, now we can go. One of my <laughs> first quotes that I put on my wall, Dow quotes, was that the Dow advances by not pressing forward. Mm-hmm. Yep. My yep. wife came in. She said, what's that on your wall? I said, these are my, my is this my wall of Dow? These are my Dow quotes. She looks at that, and she, and she just rolls her eyes along the side. <laughs> <laughs> Advances by not pressing forward. What does that mean? You know, you know, and just storms out. You know, so, ah, forget it. <laughs> what I like about this is there's so little in it, but there's so much content. It's the shortest one. Yeah, but there's just so, there's just so much in it. It basically says we're all going to die, um, no matter what. And you, you know, you are, uh, you, your life is cyclical. You, you yeah. know, you're born, then you die, and then you're born, and then you die. And just like the plants and the trees and the animals and everything else that is of the earth, this even the stars. Everything die. is so cyclical. Yeah. Everything. Everything. So you better live life well. What would you say, Craig? So just relax. Nothing is under control. This is true. Nothing is under control. Nothing is under your control. Under your control. It's, it's, it's going to be. It's, it's just it's going to happen. And there's nothing we can do. There's nothing we can do to help it. No, you just have to kind of sit back, take your ego out of it, and go, hey, this is, this is okay. Because it is going to be okay. And Usually it's okay. Everything's in this cycle, too. Everything. Yeah, everything. Every relationship, every life, every job, everything is in this cycle. One thing that Derek Lynn talks about, and it reminded me of this, of, of determining when we're holding on to things that are already dead, that the cycle's already, you know, you know, things that are alive or flexible and pliable. When something gets dead, it gets stiff and brittle and difficult. And difficult. Non-moving. Right. So like, a, like a relationship, you know, somebody's relationship that's dead is, yeah, you, you almost don't feel anything for that person or else it just becomes really difficult to stay in the same place. And how how often do we hold on to those things after they're dead and gone? Or jobs. You know, yeah. and I leave, I've, I've left a job, and I've said, you know, I should have left that job two years ago. I knew when I should have done that. But I kept holding on, and it kept getting more stale and more smelling, more dead. <laughs> and while I was holding on to it, I, I couldn't grab the, the new thing because I was holding on to the old. And they all, they all becomes toxic. Yes. Yeah. It, but it, it. if you hold on to the old, it, it does, as Buddy said, it prevents you from looking at the new or, yeah. or coming into the new. Yeah. This this episode quite good for my dad. Okay. My dad, he, um, my dad collects things. Okay. And it's usually things that are broken. Okay. The last thing he collected was the drum out of the washing machine. When he bought a new washing machine, he took the old drum out. The we took the drum out the old one, and I said to him, "Dad, what are you keeping that for?" He says, "It's just in case anything happens with the new machine, I've got the old drum that I can fit into it, not realizing it's a completely different size." And, so, yeah, 
it probably works completely differently too at this point. Dad, if, you, if you listen to this, Dad, get rid of that drum at the washing machine. Just just get rid of it. <laughs> and probably write it throughout the shed because none of none, nothing else in it's going to be any use to you. It's done. Do you listen? It. I'll tell you once he listens to this. Okay. <laughs> Quit being the director, Craig. Yeah. <laughs> I've left it up to him. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, Stephen Mitchell on this, that part where each of those have a part of uh, being is born of not being or um, substance is born of nothingness. Um, that Stephen Mitchell says that means the non-me, non-being means beyond the categories of being and non-being. So um, if you all things are born of being, being is born of things beyond being. So they're, they're born of something more, something beyond these things. Would that somehow imply the Big Bang theory, that it, it, uh, the Big Bang happened out of nothing? That, I would think, Marla, and that what is born is born of something more than itself. Like we're talking about this power, this higher power, this force of the universe, that things that are being are born of something more than themselves, was, was what he was saying. Which would make sense, because there's more to us than what we see, obviously. We're talking about the spiritual awakening. Yeah, if we tap into our spirit, there's a lot more to us than that's what he's talking about. That's, that's what he says this is talking about. That that we're born of much more than we can see. Yeah. So that non-being. Now I know. Uh, what is it? Wayne Dyer talks about that too. Yes, it's quite potent what Wayne Dyer has to say. Yielding is the way of the Tao. And then the third translation, weakness, is how the Tao works. So if we have a relationship or anything that's not working, if we've got this fight going on, I I think the first question to ask would be, how am I not yielding in this? How am I trying to run the show? How am I trying to control? Yeah. So I have a question about this. Um, I have kind of an example from my life. A lot, there have been a couple people this week that kind of fell away from the program and went back to using. And they've been kind of reaching out to try to get my help. But they don't, they don't want help. They don't really want help coming back to the program or stopping using. They just want help with their lives in their using lives. So it's not really the kind of help that I want to give them, you know? So I don't really, so part of me is like, I want to help people, you know, I want to help them with their problems, but I don't want to like yield in these circumstances. You know, it's not like a just yielding to what everybody you know, do you see what I'm asking? Like, it's not like you just yield to everything that everybody asks you to do because out of kindness, it would be nice if I went and helped this person do this and this and this because that's not actually going to help them because they're using and 
it's actually going to enable them to use more. Kate, I, I think the question is, who are you yielding to? Right. What am I yielding to? This is yielding is the way of the Tao, but that would be yielding to the Tao, surrendering to your higher power, not surrendering to everyone else. Okay. Distinction. Yeah, so that, that's a big difference because we know that when we love people and when we're working with people, especially uh, other addicts and alcoholics, there's times that love does not look like what we would think love would look like. Sometimes love is saying no. Sometimes love is calling the police. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, sometimes love is the opposite of what of what it would look like in to the average person or um, it's not about being a doormat. So I think it starts not with yielding to those people per se, but yielding to your higher power. And the question I would ask in regards to them would be, how can I love them? How can I help them? Not, you know, I must do because I want to show them love. I have to do what they ask. Because that's not true. So each of those situations are different in my thinking. Um, if, you know, if you know a situation, if someone's wanting to continue to use, I, I personally, I would have to draw some lines and, you know, kind of separate them until they were ready to sober up, ready to get clean um, for the most part. You know, and if they right. wanted help, you could help them with that. But other than that, for me, I would stay clear. Right. I don't have much of a problem with that. If I ever have friends that want to go back out, I'm the last person they want to see. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's, but I could see how, especially at first too, in the program, I, I was like, well, what does that mean? Does that mean I have to, if I'm loving people, does that mean I just have to, let them all run over me and meet yeah. people, thing, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, would yeah. run, run in my head. But I don't think so because how many times have you seen where love was really um, a form of tough love instead, especially with addicts and alcoholics when they're, um, they're, they're not in a place of sobriety? It kind of goes against my – I feel like I should help people sometimes when they're like in coming to me like in desperation but at the same time I can't help them and I mean I ought not help them because it's not actually helping them that makes sense and your heart goes out to them because you want to help them right and sometimes the most help you can give someone is doing nothing yeah not always you know, that, that's just a case-by-case. Case. That's where we have to learn to be sensitive and continue to yield to our higher power and trust that we just do the next right thing and learning how to be sensitive to that. Right. Does, does that – do you do we need to talk some more about that, or does that help? I think or? that makes sense. So it's not just, like, yielding to what everybody asks of you. Right. It's, it's yielding really, to the way of, yeah, yielding 
to your higher power and doing the right the next right thing after that yeah. because it's really the yielding is to your higher power because the first thing we in in recovery what I've had to do is the more powerless the more I surrender over with different things in my life the more I yield then the more I see my higher power working in different areas of my life, just like with alcohol. So this is about yielding uh, and turning my will and my life over to the care of God, like in the third step. My will and my life. That's everything that I'm concerned about. Everything I care about, I turn over. I let go. That's a big difference than just surrendering alcohol. That is so much more. And and for me, very difficult because my life does not depend on me doing that. Now, my peace and joy does, but my life does not like it did with alcohol. I was killing myself. If I still don't turn my kids over, I might not be happy, but it's probably not going to kill me. But those are the kinds of things that bring the peace and joy into your life that that a lot of people miss. A lot of people miss. We see them all the time, you know, that come into recovery, do enough to get sober or clean, and they sit there. Yeah, and don't change. They don't make any changes. They, there's no cycles in their life or in their thinking. and They're still the same miserable bitch they were before. Yes. They but they're clean. Yeah. It's a hard way to live, I think. I think so, too. We've got such a better way, you know. So it's such a better way to live that that sometimes we don't do that. You know, we don't. Uh, and it takes surrender. It takes yielding. Yeah. It takes yielding. And that's what this one's all about, is about learning to yield and the fact that that is the way of the Tao. There's not another way. The way is a way of yielding. If we think we can add our higher power to our life, the rubber stamp, all the things we're doing like a like a Santa Claus or something, you know, to give us what we want, you know. <laughs> and that's not the way it works. It takes surrender. You mean there isn't a Santa Claus? I, I, I'll go back and delete that part, Marla, in case right. we have someone that uh, <laughs> I don't want to upset anyone. Yeah, I'd be careful about that. <laughs> Craig. <laughs> Craig, uh, sometimes the answer we get isn't the one we want, but the one we need. Yeah. You've been listening to Rolling Stones again, Craig? Can't always get what you want. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he did know. <laughs> well, that's really true. Yeah. He's the Rolling Stones. Oh, <laughs> he's the Rolling Stones. <laughs> yes, but that's so true, you know. The answer I want is, yeah, I can still use and be safe and not feel like shit about myself and not destroy my life. But the answer is, that's not the answer. The answer is really, no, you can't. You have to, you have to live clean. The answer, I, the answer I want is that I have all the answers. <laughs> <laughs> I want to have all of the answers. Yeah. I remember my dad. He always had an answer for anything. He was like, I was 18, 17, 18 years old before he finally said, you know, I just don't know that. 
I'm like, what? Are you okay? <laughs> My dad's like that too. You know, it was every answer for everything, you know? Yeah. Uh, no, I've, I've give up having to have the answers. And that's part of that yielding, letting that ego, surrendering that ego. Vulnerability, saying you don't know. And being, and being good with it. Yeah. Being good with it. Okay. Derek Lynn. Had some good stuff today. I'm going to read some excerpts. The weak, talking about weakness is the way the Tao works. The weak refers to things that uh, exhibit flexibility, flexible pliancy. They characterize the Tao because the Tao drives life forward. Living things are always soft and yielding, while dead things are stiff and unyielding. This applies to the mind as well. An awareness that is in tune with the Tao is adaptable to new ways of thinking. In contrast, a mind that stubbornly clings to preconceptions and automatically rejects anything different is, in a real sense, already dead. Being open-minded. What are the three? Uh, honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness? Yes. Yeah. The how. Yeah. Open-minded. Being can also be translated as existence. Non-being can be translated as non-existence. These lines describe how everything that has a tangible reality seems ultimately to come from nowhere. Consider a tree. It is real. It has substance. It grew from a seed, which used to be inside a fruit, which came from the parent tree. The parent tree can trace itself back in time through the same process to its own parent. When we look back like this, we quickly get to a point where the tree, the seed, the fruit, and the parent tree had no existence and existed only as pure potentialities. The same is true of us. When we trace our origins back in time, we will quickly realize that we too once existed as nothing more than possibilities. This, we must acknowledge, that our being emerged from non-being. That's how he explains that. The realization is the perfect antidote to worldly attachments. Next time you find yourself unable to let go, contemplate how we all came out of nothingness and must eventually return to it. When we understand this truth, we will see that our grasping ways make no sense at all. <laughs> I put beside that, I need God's help to do this, not rationale. <laughs> What uh, cyclical, some of my notes on his, what cyclical patterns can we recognize? We've talked about that. Like water, vapor, liquid, ice, liquid, vapor, life, you know, birth, our lifespan, death, relationships the same, all those things. That there's a life cycle with everything. And we need to be flexible and open-minded so that when we see that cycle, that we don't hold on to things that are dead and dying and keep moving forward to the next cycle. That's how we remain flexible. 
That's how we remain yielding. And, you know, if we're doing that, we're going to be surrendering. We're going to be letting go. We're going to be playing our part rather than being the director because we're not in control of any of that. Just like we're taught in recovery to play our part, not be the director, not rewrite everyone's parts. How that if we are doing that, we're not going to take things personal. Yeah. We're going to just play our little part knowing that we're not in control of any of it. That's where the peace is. And that's yielding. That's yielding. Good stuff. Yeah, it's too bad we think too much. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> That's for sure. We're the only creatures that have brain, the brain that think, that rationalizes and then intellectualizes and analyzes. But you know, we're just as much a part of nature as all the other animals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So why should we not think that our life is by design just like their lives are by design? No, I'd love to believe and think like that. You know, live by, like, I know my dog lives by his instincts, you know, which is a great way to live. That's what we're talking about. Yeah, exactly, Marla. We're talking about learning to live by our instincts, our real instincts, you know. Yeah. Instead of rationalizing, intellectualizing, and analyzing. So I I sometimes think it's such a curse that we think. (laughs) It is a curse. So... Is it not a blessing, though, that that once we start on this path and we learn how to start yielding, we learn how to start surrendering, how much peace and joy and ease we can have in life that's there for us in everything if we'll just learn to yield. We'll learn to get out of our way and just let it happen. Watch it happen in front of us. It's just incredible. You know, I told you if I ever wrote a book, what the title would be. I didn't. I wish I were dumber. <laughs> because I go to Walmart and I see all these little people in their, in the, in their pajamas and have to shuffle in, <laughs> shuffle out. You know? They seem to not have a care in the world. They're, you know, they're all 30, 40, 50 pounds overweight. They eat bad stuff all the time, and they're, they're just doing their thing, you know. They seem as happy as they can be, you know, waiting on their check. And I'm like, hmm, there's something to be said for that. <laughs> when I was stressing and all my – this was years ago when I was, you know, all kinds of business things going on, and I was all stressed out and everything. I said, wait a minute. I'm missing something here. <laughs> So that's uh, there, there's something to be said for that. Ignorance is bliss. It is. It is. Uh, I think I'm going to be teaching yoga to people who have um, mental disabilities, learning disabilities, yeah. and they're so much fun to be around because all they do is laugh all day because they're, they're not thinking. There's something to be said. You know, why is it that we had a relative that got Alzheimer's and her health just picked up tremendously. And she lived for years and years and years, like into her mid nineties. Wow. 
and, and they said part of it was that all the stress of life was gone. I believe that. I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to need Alzheimer's to have that. You know, I want that now. Yeah. And we're getting there. We're getting the things we're learning are the things that bring that about. Learning how to apply those, uh, especially those first three steps to all of our life and cleaning up any issues we have, but, but really learning to turn our will and our life over to the care of God in more areas. Learning how to yield. How do I know that? If I've got angst, if I'm fighting, there's always something in me that needs to change. I'm not yeah. yielding somewhere. If I'm fighting at all, because fighting is a choice. You know, I don't have to fight anything. I realize, like with my wife, it takes two of us to fight. If I just stop and don't fight, it stops. How much <laughs> does that cost you? might get. Yeah. Does that, that doesn't happen often. But, but, you know, if I don't fight back, it doesn't escalate. <laughs> you know? So if I just say, whoa, honey, I'm not participating in this. I don't want to make her sound like a bitch. She's not, you know, she's no. wonderful. But, you know, like if we're fighting and like I've said something I shouldn't and then she fight, you know, then it gets started and it's escalating. If I stop and say, whoa, I'm sorry, I should never said anything. And if she wants to keep it going, <laughs> I said, whoa, no, I'm, honey, I'm sorry. I'm not participating. I'll leave the room. And she'll, she'll wait, wait. <laughs> she won't. <laughs> See? No, not happening. And But it takes two of us. So the same with this. Anytime that we're in a situation that's getting out of control, we can stop. We can yield to our higher power and say, well, how do I need to change here? What do I need to do? How do I need to yield? How do I need to be weak? What? What is the problem? Surrender it. You guys ready for Wayne Dyer? Yeah. Um, all right, Wayne Dyer, 40th verse. Returning is the motion of the Tao. Yielding is the way of the Tao. And 10,000 things are born of being. Being is born of non-being. So he titles this chapter, Living by Returning and Yielding. I see one of the greatest teachings of the Tao Te Ching here in the shortest of its 81 passages. If you can master the wisdom in these four lines, you'll be as happy, content, and centered in the Tao as any sage. With the first word, returning, you're being nudged towards an understanding of the basic principle of your existence. Without needing to leave your body, you're asked to die while alive. You actually accomplish this by realizing that you're one of the 10,000 things that has appeared in world form, the world of form. What Latsu is expressing here in the 40th verse is what contemporary quantum physics has confirmed many centuries later. Particles do not come from particles at the tiniest subatomic level. Instead, when the infinitesimally small specks are collided in a particle accelerator, there's nothing remaining but waves of particleless energy. In order for you, a much bigger speck to form, you must 
have come from an originating spirit. So Lao Tzu may have known nothing of quantum, quantum physics in the 6th century BC, but he was teaching an essential truth even then. It's spirit that gives life. So to truly live out your destiny as a piece of the originating Tao, you must shed your ego and return to spirit. Or you can wait until your body dies and make the return trip at that time. And I love the next few few paragraphs. Six centuries after Lao Tzu dictated the 81 verses of the Tao Te Ching, the man who wrote a huge percentage of the New Testament also spoke of whence we come. Formerly called Saul of Tarsus, he became known as St. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. In his letter to the people of Ephesus, I don't know, Ephesus, I don't know how that's pronounced. Ephesus. Ephesus, he wrote, You were created to be like God, and so you must please him and be truly holy. This is an invitation for all of us to return to what we came from, which is loving, kind, and not exclusive in any way. How this is accomplished, according to St. Paul and Lao Tzu, who emphasizes this point in many verses of the Tao, you do so by yielding your ego, surrendering and being humble. To that end, in his letter to the people of Corinth, St. Paul quotes Jesus directly, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul then goes on to say himself, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Indeed, yielding is the way of the Tao, as well as the key to the uplifted existence, according to virtually all spiritual texts that have survived over the centuries. Hold on there for a second, Marvin. Let's talk about this. The weaker I get, another translation of this, the message version says, the weaker I get, the stronger I become. The more I surrender. Yes. The more I surrender. The more humble I become. The stronger I become. So the weaker I get, the more I yield, the stronger I get. It's paradoxical in thinking, which makes sense because I know with our, in recovery, until I surrendered my alcohol entirely, there was no help. And once I did, it became so easy. You know, that's, I think, what has happened in my, this time around in my recovery is subconsciously, subconsciously, I yielded. And I surrendered to the fact that I just can no longer live with myself as a user. I can no longer do this. Nothing. No substances. And it's been so much easier to to stay sober. There's no cravings or obsessive thoughts anymore. It's really, um, and I believe it's because I surrendered to the fact that it's just not possible for me to use anymore. I had to finally say, okay, God, either you are or you're not. You, I had to come to the point of suicide. Either you do it or I'm out of here. And once I made that decision, it got easy. I was yeah. like, 
wait a minute. <laughs> this is what I wanted the whole time. Why did it take this? Because it took that for me to finally yield. Yeah. That's what they call your, you know, in recovery, they call it a bottom, you know, where you, uh, you finally get to the point to where, you know, you've had all you can stand and you can't stand anymore, you know. Get yeah. your Popeye moment, you know. I, I just couldn't stand myself anymore, you know. That was my bottom is not being worthy. You know what? I would not have this trip to India is such a big deal for me. I would not have been able to go if I were not sober. It just, it would not have happened. I couldn't even backpack for three days because I couldn't be away from vodka. Couldn't you take it with you? Not that much vodka. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't hike and drink like that. Ooh, there's no way. Can you imagine dragging a gallon of vodka with you on a three-day trip? No, you can't do it. Uh, plus, I, physically, I couldn't hold up for that. Mm-hmm. Not drinking, not drinking like I drank. And it's just incredible how 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 much of a bondage that was. Yeah, Ooh. it was an act of survival at some point, though. You know, trying to to cope with life. You know, when it turns on you. Yeah, well, eventually. Without yeah. needing to leave your body, you're asked to die while living, while alive. We That's, have to die to live. Letting go. That's live. just a definition of letting go and surrendering. It's, it really is. You got to really kill off a part of yourself. Talking about the spirit giving life. Must shed our ego and return to spirit. By yielding your ego, surrendering, and being humble. Is how this happens. Like going back to being a baby. You're, you know, babies are born innocent and loving and kind and sweet and dependent. That's what you really are. And dependent. dependent. Think about how dependent a three-year-old or two-year-old or any any child like that. You'd never come in to a three-year-old and say, "Okay, I don't know how I'm making the mortgage this month, guys. Y'all gonna have to go out and get a job. And <laughs> have to do, you know, I really don't know what we're gonna do." You wouldn't do that to a three-year-old. No. And I'm reminded of the, uh, where Jesus said the kingdom of God, you have to approach the kingdom like these children in this dependency that as adults we lose because we think everything's up to us. So, and I got to thinking about a child and the responsibilities a three-year-old has and how similar that is to the yielding that we're talking about here. Because I remember when my kids were that little, they, they had very few responsibilities. I gave them everything and they had to share it. You know, they had to do what I told them to do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's kind of, you know, and I, there was a lot of leniency there, you know, but you know, and, and they had to share what they had. And that was, and enjoy themselves. And that was pretty much their job. (laughs) And and I'm thinking about how is my job now today really not that much different? If our life is all grace, if we believe that, you know, we're part of this flow, then we believe our higher power is providing the things for us that we need. We, of course, we share and give and do with what we have. Because everything we have is a gift, so we we need to be willing 
to be of service and of help. And we're to enjoy ourselves. I don't know. It's not that much different, really, than what my children depended on me as a when they were little. Right. And they were given everything. Yeah. And we will be, too. God willing. <laughs> At least what we need. But how often, though, with little kids, you know, they – uh, they make they they make things so serious, you know, playing in the sandbox. You can't touch this. Don't do that. I'm doing this. You know, whatever. You know, and you're like, just laugh at them. You know, I think God's laughing at us the same way about the things that we make so serious, and we're just playing in the sandbox is all we're doing, really. You know, <laughs> you know, the things we're doing are not that serious. You know, like our work and these other things that we put so much importance on. A lot of times, those things are not not the serious things, you know. I was listening to a, a radio show yesterday, and one of the guys that was on, um, he, you know, he, he's very forthcoming about his um, anxiety, his mental illness, and um, he was saying that his 11-year-old son was so full of anxiety at this point in his life, and how, how sad that is to him and how hard it is to... Um, you know, to ease his son's anxiety and his pain and how, um, you know, not obnoxious, but how um, awful it is. It's, it's such a young age. The kid is so full of anxiety. And you know what? I know so many kids who are so full of anxiety. It's really, um, it seems to be an American thing. These are kids that, that can't, don't feel like they can control their universe, you know. Not just American. We've got relatives in other countries that uh, have, some, you know, can have that have some similar issues. Uh, but that's those ages where people start realizing that, you know, there's a lot in the world that they can't, you know, they try to control all of that. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. It is because you really don't want to have to medicate, you know. But uh, sometimes you have to. It's it's just a sad state of the world, you know, that we we become so anxious at such a young age. It's a shame that in our schools that we don't teach, well, of course, spiritual principles aren't going to be taught in public school anyway, But which I, I don't want to get political and stuff, but I, I think that's a good thing. But I think that in, it's a shame that more kids aren't taught spiritual spiritual principles to to live by. Um, which think, uh, which means it should be taught in the home. Yes, but, very much so, Marla. Very. And most people just are not uh, spiritual. Awake. They're not no. awake. No. They're not awake. Few there be that find it, unfortunately. <laughs> Okay, you want to read a little further for us? Yeah, because I, I also did, did the next chapter, did the next paragraph. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff here. When you truly change the way you think about all of life, the world begins to look very different. You begin seeing everyone and everything as if they have round-trip tickets. <laughs> you know they all arrive from spirit, and you know they must return. All that composes, all decomposes. And whether anyone else understands that isn't important to you. You find that the awareness, you find the awareness that life on earth is a death sentence to be a liberating and amusing viewpoint. You're choosing to live every day, each moment that you have, 
and as much as you can as the non-being aspect of yourself. As a being of spirit, you decide to use your return ticket while you're still in physical form by keeping yourself in precisely the same loving status that you occupied before entering this world of boundaries. As you take your return journey, oh, you're returning home. As you take your return journey, you not only get to lose your ego identification card, you have the added bonus of regaining the power of your source, which is the all-creating power of the universe. You merge into the oneness of a being who dissolves ego concerns, and the world that you now see is perfect and infinite in nature. There is no more worry, anxiety, or identification with your possessions. You're a free person. You're a spiritual being, first, last, and always. (laughs) And the question he asks is, in which way am I moving? That's his big question. Yeah. Am Am I I getting Am I yielding? Am I returning to the source, or am I fighting with everything within me to hold on and stay in control and got my cat claws deep and will not let it go? I think that's a big lesson in one aspect for aging. In you know, we're we're seeking always seeking a way to stay younger and look younger, and it's inevitable that we're going to have wrinkles and it's inevitable that gravity is going to take our boobs down. It's just um, not fighting the aging process. It definitely makes life a little bit easier to handle. When I look at my wrinkles going, ugh, you know. And when you realize you're not your body. You're not your body. That's a tough one when you're a yogi because you're in your body all the time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it's not the body, it's not the physical body that you're in. It's the spiritual body that you're in. I started saying, my body would like some sugar. <laughs> I would like some sugar. <laughs> so I don't have to do what my body tells me. <laughs> kind of it, but that's addiction. My body needs this drink yes. or pot or whatever. Yeah. It's not. No, no. And which way am I moving in my relationship? You could analyze any relationship, job, any concern or care that you have. And so which way am I moving in this? Am I moving toward the Tao? Am I yielding this? Am I moving toward my higher power? Or am I moving away? And while I'm moving away is by control. Is it dead and I'm just, continuing to hold on to it or am I smothering it what am I doing with this and the answer is always surrender it's always 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 surrender I do want to read this next the surrender paragraph Marla will you read that yes this is what you surrender this is what yielding is all about Recognize that your little ego does nothing and that the Tao creates everything, including you. As I sit and write these words in my magical writing space, I know that I don't own what mysteriously appears on the paper. 
I've surrendered. I know that God writes all the books, composes all the music, and erects all the buildings. I bow to this all-creating power. While it appears that all of the 10,000 things are born of the world of beingness, as I think about it more, the beingness itself came from non-being. It is to this glorious state of non-being spirituality, or the Tao, that I yield. I encourage you to do the same, and then peacefully observe how it all flows together perfectly. Hey, uh, Kate, that's what we were talking about. You're yielding to the Tao. You're yielding to your higher power. Mm-hmm. That's, that's where the yielding starts. That's where the yielding starts. That's good. Just, let me just read the last chapter, okay. the last paragraph, because it sure. tells you how to do it. To do the Tao now, strategically place a picture of a yield sign frequently found as a traffic device within your field of vision. Each time you look at this sign, use it as a reminder for you to return to the Tao. At least once each day, rather than continuing a disagreement, seed on the spot. In the midst of talking about your own achievements or basking in the light of your ego, stop and become an instant listener. The more you yield each day, the more you return to the peace and harmony of the Tao. That's how you do it. Yield, yield, yield. Yielding is the way of the Tao, period. Yeah. Period. It's not, you know, show me twice and I'll take it from there. <laughs> That's what I want. <laughs> I want you to show me and then I can do it. No, it's always yielding. The weaker you get, the stronger you become, period. All you can do is get weaker. I think the hardest thing for me about this doing all of this stuff is like my attention span paying attention to not paying attention to all the details of stuff long enough to get the perspective and pay attention you know if I really focus on the Tao and focus on being connected to everything you know being part of this big existence and everything then I have that perspective and I'm like oh everything's okay I can let go of that but most of the time I'm like all wrapped up in everything I'm doing and running around and I'm like whoa this is all really important oh my god so I have to focus on like actually stepping back and getting that perspective more often throughout my day, I think, so that I'm not just constantly running around with my head chopped off. Yeah. yeah. You know, the, way, the way for me to do that, Kate, is break my day down into more moments and try to stay more in the moment. If I do that, it's easier for me to not get so strung out because I'm not getting into, you know, what's going to happen and expectations and what these folks are going to think of me and all those things that are connected that none of that stuff that's really in the moment. If I can keep it to the moment, I can, I, I have a much better chance of doing this. Yeah. Yielding. That's good. Oh, I didn't tell y'all about my rally. Let me tell you about my rally real quick that I did last weekend. How'd it go? 
Oh, it went great. I loved it. It was so much fun. I I had this route and I did everything and I executed like I needed to. And I was taking my, my rest break at the hotel. So I ran 27 hours and got to where I was staying. Instead of taking my break in the middle, I took it at the end, checked in, went to the hotel, laid down and woke up 20 minutes after check-in and got disqualified. (laughs) (laughs) And I just laughed about it. And I said, you know, I said, this is the second one in a row that I would have, the first, the one, the last one I would have won that I made a mistake on the last one. I would have won this one. I would have gotten third. All things being considered if I got all my points and all, but what I'm saying is, I'd already decided that that stuff wasn't important to me. And I said, well, I guess I just needed that reinforced. So I've decided in the future, I'm going to start taking these a little more uh, casually, take a little more time, enjoy them a little more rather than compete. Mm-hmm. So, but I enjoyed it. I just had to laugh at it. I looked at it and I said, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting here. All I had to do was ride down to a service station and get a receipt. And then come back and check in. That's all I had to do. (laughs) (laughs) You needed your sleep. Uh, Yeah, I never sleep that much during the day, Marla, when I've been up all night. And I do this. This is not like a one-time thing. So I'll do this pretty often. And I never sleep more than a couple hours or three hours. And I never sleep heavy at all. I slept so heavy that I cut my alarm off. I didn't do multiple alarms because it's middle of the day and, you know, I normally don't sleep that heavy. So, anyway, it was one of those things. <laughs> but I enjoyed it. It didn't mess my trip up at all. It was great. Saw some great country. It was really cool. Southern yeah. Kentucky, for anyone who rides, it's never rode in Southern Kentucky. It's pretty beautiful, little curvy roads. I came out north of Cookville, Tennessee. There is a nice park up there. Lots of little, little curvies, which I enjoy. Really, really, in really nice trip. So Good. a little better perspective. Got to get the competition out. <laughs> but the yielding really is where it's at. And this is just another way of saying it. Weaker I get, the stronger I become. Okay, for titles today, what I'm thinking, I don't know, let go or get dragged. How can I yield today? Surrender. Being a non-being? Or is that too much, too esoteric? I think too much, maybe. Um, People do listen according to the title. So, I don't know. (laughs) Oh. Um, We get more listens on the ones with with more more relatable titles. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, I thought people would just listen to the next one in a row like I do when I'm listening to a podcast. I just Whatever's next, I just listen to. Get weak to get strong? The weaker I get, the stronger I become? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right, I'll use that. All right. Okay, guys. Well, y'all have a great week. We'll do this again next Thursday. See you then. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week.
Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.